This is the podcast Love, Blood, Sex, Death. As daughters of Venus, we're on a mission for 2020 and beyond to awaken more love in the world through intimate and educational conversations that shed light on our societal taboos. Those are the things that we all obsess about privately, but don't speak about publicly. Welcome to the show. Hi, welcome to our very first show. This is a special sneak peek of the podcast Love, Blood, Sex and Death that we are launching in 2020 and it's an absolute pleasure to have your ears with us today. I am Tanishka, you might know me as the Moon Woman, a former stand-up comedian who has um, been teaching ancient wisdom traditions for the last 24 years and I am very happy to introduce you to a dear, dear sister of mine. I'm joined by Kristen Murray Alexi, and do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm a sexologist and I specialize in women's health and sexuality. Um, I do sex coaching and uh, that comes in the form of sexual trauma or just expanding sexual pleasure. And you work with men as well I do. too. Yeah, yeah. I do. Because we really, um, whilst I also come from a background of working primarily with women, we really invite the brothers to join us on this journey of these podcasts as well as the sisters because, you know, let's face it, we've all got <laughs> some cultural distortions around our societal taboos, which are love, blood, sex and death. So we've got to have these conversations that make us somewhat awkward hmm. or, well, let's just face it, it's a, it's, you know, where there's darkness, there's a lot of room for light, there's a lot of room for humour. And for, you know, wisdom. So that's our that's our aim for, for presenting this series. But today, let's get into it. Because it is just a week before Christmas, um, whether or not you're actually a Christian, <laughs> the silly season affects everybody, particularly in the Western world. So we thought we would do a special holiday episode, the festive unmentionables. Yes, the things we don't talk about at Christmas. So uh, we're going to start with love. Um, And I would just like to say at the outset, I haven't spent uh, family, well, maybe I did two in there, but pretty much from the age of 15, I stopped and had great Christmases. Um, And so I just you know, as someone that's done orphans Christmases, you know, um, inviting people to my home that are friends, even people I didn't know. I did one year where we had 30-odd people um, and it was just an open invite. But I'd like to just say, look, exercise self-love. Don't force yourself to go to a Christmas gathering if you don't feel safe to be embraced for who you truly are, whether that's appeasing your partner by going to your in-laws or spending time with your family if they don't truly see you and get you um, because that's a really unloving thing to do to put yourself in that situation like what what's your take on it uh I yeah I think I've already shared with you before that I don't really celebrate Christmas my one side of my family we don't really get into it so we don't we've just taken like that option of not putting ourselves through something that we don't really believe in Mm -hmm. it doesn't 
our values don't lie in Christianity or in the tradition itself. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's been highly kind of corrupted. But that's our, you know, I've got another side of my family that does celebrate it. I don't force myself to go there. I don't force myself to do anything that I don't want to do because it's expected. And, right. I, yeah, that feels like a, a huge element of self-love and self-care and self-nurturing. Which is quite radical. Like to go against the group mind, yeah. particularly when emotional manipulation is applied you know right you know to really be an ally for yourself and to really attune to your feelings and go you know what do I feel emotionally and psychologically and energetically safe yeah to go into that space like you know if people are using humor as sarcastic put downs and mocking who you are and what you're about like you actually don't have to continue to expose yeah. yourself to that. Totally. And I, I actually think that's why a lot of people compensate for that awkwardness, that social anxiety by drinking too much. And I I love your take on this. Would you share with me, you know, the conversations that we've had before around this? Yeah, like feeling discomfort, social gatherings, mm. especially when you're not feeling fully seen and heard as who you are, which mm. often happens when we're in our family. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, that anxiety that can come up, you know, if there's kind of three ways you can deal with it, accept the situation, change it or remove yourself from the situation. If you feel strong and whole enough to go into a space where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can accept that my family is like this, they treat me this way, I can still love them unconditionally, then that's cool. If you want to change it, you can be the catalyst for change in your family or in your whoever it is that you generally celebrate this season with then that's another you know that's another journey you can go on or remove yourself from the situation and take yourself out of it um and that can be also at a at a, at a festive gathering if you have decided mm. to go you're not stuck there you don't have to stay you don't have to join in with drinking don't you carpool don't it. yeah don't yeah <laughs> take your own car so you can get out of there mm. if you need. take some deep breaths do some you know tapping i was just gonna say do eft in the toilet yeah, yeah, way through yeah, if you don't yeah. know what that is emotional freedom technique yeah Uh, You can see free versions of that on YouTube just to release charge Mm -hmm. emotionally from your nervous system if something triggers you mid-lunch. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, great. I love what you're saying. Go on. Yeah, Um, just and like paying attention to your thoughts that are going, thought processes going on in that time. If you've got self-deprecating thoughts happening Mm. that you're kind of picking up from the people around Mm. you, making a new narrative for yourself so you can – you know, kind of find those thoughts, even with the tapping, like and recreate new new ways of thinking about yourself and your family and your environment. And just if you do safe. catch yourself, because that's yeah. something I've noticed in myself, I go into social de- uh, personal deprecation using humour, but I don't just think it, I verbalise it. Mm. So because it was done to me growing up and yeah. so then you internalise that, yeah. you know. And... Um, I mean, that's a whole another episode, internalised misogyny. We'll get to that, but yeah. not, not with the festive season. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so if you hear yourself, whether it's laughing along with someone putting you down instead of saying, actually, that didn't feel good, yeah, um, or actively putting yourself down, that's a, that's a flag. It's like, okay, um, I can I can change the script. Can I can I change the story. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. 
Um, Because, yeah, if we think about it, nuclear families, it can be like a a bomb going off, (laughs) you know. And I think a lot of people have a huge amount of apprehension about spending time with their family of origin or their Mm. in-laws. But I wanted to touch on the drinking thing because, yeah, would you mind sharing from your experience because I think it's gold. Yeah, so... Half of my family is very much sober, just by choice, not by force, or like it's a problem for us, but we just really enjoy connecting and breaking bread and having fun activities and games. We don't necessarily base it around Christmas, or but it's just when we have a gathering and get together. How lovely. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Wow. And my chosen family as well. And because we don't have the alcohol there to take away the, the inhibitions, you know, that, right. that can kind of let us get us more into our heart sometimes, sometimes not. Um, what I find really beautiful is to have games there or to have other plants like cacao or damiana that help us to open our heart and connect with each other and eliminate small talk and, you know, really to see through the lens of the, of the heart with each other than, you know, oh, what have you been up to? What are you doing now? Who Surface are you? Surface level can I, conversations. Yeah, how yep. can I pigeonhole you? Oh, you haven't changed, you know, like really right. finding Projecting. other tools yes. other than alcohol because alcohol can lead to... Yeah, it can lead to fun. Like I'm not, I don't deny that people have fun when they drink. Yeah. But it can also lead to, um, in my experience, there's been violence when there's been too much alcohol, a lot of aggression, um, other circumstances that I've heard of. You know, I'm working in a lot of sexual trauma where um, children are going kind of uncared for because adults are drinking and then child molestation occurs and this is a huge taboo we don't like talking about it but it's happening consistently and yeah. until we do talk about it oh it's a pandemic it. yeah it's huge it's yeah. huge so i mean you know it's also we're more likely to make self dishonoring choices oh, totally. when we lower our consciousness by using substances and look I love to have a couple of you know I love some bubbly mm-hmm. on cha- on on champagne there we go no <laughs> haven't had a drink before the episode um but you know it's part of my meal plan and I go mm-hmm. right what sort of aperitif would I like you know mm-hmm. like for me there's a, I, I really enjoy but I only have two glasses because I'm such a cheap nana drunk <laughs> but um and I just I will never go past that because I just feel it like, no, that's my limit. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think there's more chance of people waking up next to someone. Ordinarily they would go, "Mm, if I was in my right mind, I wouldn't have made that choice, you know. (laughs) So taking substances can be a way to avoid taking responsibility for Mm -hmm. our choices, you you know, and, um, and behaving like a teenager instead of an adult. Yeah which then has negative ramifications on ourselves and everybody else, whether it's partners, children, like you might be an yeah. outrageous flirt. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like the unexpressed, the taboo comes out. Yeah. So and Sometimes not in the safe and contained space. Right. So if someone's got a lot of unresolved uh, anger yeah. and they add fire oh, water, yeah, as fire, it's called yeah. by the Native Americans, yeah. it's going to come out. Yeah. Or if someone's got a lot of unexpressed grief mm-hmm. and they drink, mm-hmm. then they're going to be a sad drunk. Yeah. So sexual oppression as well, which we almost all experience in our culture. 
So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so, you know, our sexuality has been hijacked. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, you know, feelings of guilt, of enjoying pleasure, and we often suppress what brings us pleasure and joy in the bedroom. So, you know, where we can have, like, a safe place to play that out if we're openly communicating about our sexuality, that doesn't often happen. And so when we drink alcohol, you know, we can see people become more flirtatious or sleazy and if they're not educated in how to create safe boundaries or to respect somebody else's boundaries this is where those boundaries that the lines become blurred and inappropriate behavior can be a paramount beautifully put like just not um I, I know I observe in myself when I drink I become more dominating and obnoxious <laughs> Now, I like to think I'm very funny in that. You are funny. Yes, thank you. But (laughs) (laughs) um, I I certainly don't, you know, molest people. But um, it's like we're not as sensitive Mm -hmm. to reading the subtle um, cues. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's more chance, as you say, of of people being ham-fisted perhaps in expressing their affection Mm -hmm in ways that don't feel comfortable and don't allow the other person to go. uh, It's not where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah, like you're not not attuning to me at all. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah, thank you. It's important. Um, And the games? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Um, So I'm passionate about games because I think that's one of the reasons people tend to overdrink is they're bored. Bored. You know, I know in the years that I smoked, I observed there were many payoffs, but one of them was I would smoke if I was bored by Mm -hmm. the company I was keeping. (laughs) (laughs) So if I ever see you with a cigarette. Oh, no, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's time for me to go. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. Um, So I like to, um, and you can tell I did kids' parties for a couple of years, but I think, you know, if we think about energy can either spiral up or it can spiral down. So if we're hosting Mm -hmm. or even if we're being a guest to bring a sense of fun or something we can offer Mm -hmm. that is going to lift everyone's spirits. So around the Christmas table, I always play celebrity head. And here in Bali, I mean, I'm just going to a friend's, there's a gathering there for Christmas day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a pack of post-it notes. That's mm. all you need to play Celebrity so Head. Easy, yeah. And everyone t- r- takes a turn writing down a famous person, whether they're dead or alive, on a post-it note, slaps it on the person's head next to them so they have no idea who they are. And then you go around the table uh, either after lunch or during dessert, you know, the sort of latter part of the meal. Or it can be a great icebreaker if there's people there that don't know each other um, and you get to ask a question about, you know, who am I, uh, am I female? And if you get a no, you're not allowed to ask another question until it's gone around the table until your turn again. But if you get a yes, you can answer, ask another question. So, I mean, a great game for social lubrication. Yeah, totally. And it's like connecting to our inner child. Yeah. That's what Christmas was, you know, it's how if we celebrate Christmas, yeah, that's how we were raised as it being something fun and playful and it's like no wonder we drink when we get older. It's like we want to get back to that place. Our inner child wants to express itself, doesn't know how. Yeah, And so like games 
We just need play. It's fun. Yeah. And um, the other thing I like to do is bring out an Oracle deck. And, yes, let's face it, I've had <laughs> Christmas lunch with middle-aged women for many, many years. So that, that's gone down well. But, um, you know, just everyone pulling a card to compensate for the bad jokes and the Christmas cracker um, <laughs> going around the table. And then we usually play group Pictionary. So just, you know, with an easel and a whiteboard. And that's great fun. So you know, I and love Pictionary so much. Isn't it so good? Um, yeah. So, and you, it's not about drawing for people that go on bad drawer. It's more about intuition and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. reading the signs. And- yeah, but I mean, just it's something sedentary. You can all be, you know, sitting on couches and only have to get up when it's your turn while you're digesting. But it's great <laughs> fun. And um, the other thing I like to do is curate a playlist of. Music that really soothes the nerves. And I highly recommend Diana Krall's Christmas album because her voice is like honey and there is nothing like bad Christmas songs on repeat to put your nerves on edge (laughs) and to really make the chance of family altercations uh, on the forecast. So you know what I mean? And to like, you know, just set the scene. Yeah, Yeah, candles. Yeah, beautiful. Burn some nice oils. But, yeah, just soothe everybody. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we might move on to blood. Yeah, that's kind good. of love yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. Um. So, ladies, what to do if you get your period Christmas morning and you're cooking the lunch? <laughs> now, this Christmas, uh, we're recording this um, December 2019, and we're coming up to dun, 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 a new moon solar eclipse. Mm. So the chance of the majority of women who are fertile and hosting getting their period this Christmas is highly likely. So um, I think it's good to acknowledge this. You know, patriarchy dictates that we don't mention it, yeah. It is the ultimate Christmas taboo that we soldier on, we cook the turkey, we don't make everyone uncomfortable by saying the word period in company, I mean, it's like bloody Voldemort from Harry Potter. It's like the absolute unmentionable, mm-hmm. you know. But why? Because we're afraid of its power. So we've got options. I mean, you could completely rebel, hang tampons on the tree, on the Christmas <laughs> yes. tree, you know. a full. I, I mean, we'll there rebel. might be some lesbian households that are, that are already doing that, you yes. know. But so agree. I just, you know, the small thing we can do is, Ladies, don't kill yourself for a patriarchal holiday, Um, even if that is the reason for the season. I mean, martyrdom of the world's saviour, that's the reason people think they're getting together. But that doesn't mean we have to martyr ourselves, Uh you know. And um, it's a bugbear of mine that women are the ones that clean the house, bake, fix the roast, wrap Mm. the presents, decorate, serve. Organise the presents. I mean, and then some bloody pantomime fat man... (laughs) who doesn't even exist gets all the bloody credit. Like you don't get more patriarchal than that, you know. And so if you're menstruating and you still try to do all that and don't ask for help, then you're just doing yourself a disservice. Totally. And you're perpetuating this sort of patriarchal idea that the feminine serves the masculine. Right. Showing children that you have to self-sacrifice to make everyone else happy no matter how you're feeling, what's going on. 
And then you just get all uptight and out of yeah. shape and yeah. no one wants Resentful. to be around the dark mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Claus has gone very quiet. But, you know, the bottom line is if you are period, uh, if you are period, if you are bleeding, that is the lowest ebb of your month. You are losing life force. And so I reckon put on a shirt that says Santa's not the only visitor in this house <laughs> and put something festive on your hot water bottle and find a position where you can basically event manage the whole mm. event from That's a seated beautiful. position. Yeah. Um, Co-create. And, yeah, community, invite mm. people mm. to help. Um, is that something, did you grow up watching your mum do everything and then resent everybody? Uh, <laughs> How festive. Um, she didn't necessarily resent everybody, but, yeah, she definitely was doing the, like, everything, being being Santa and yeah. mum and then later on and dad. So, yeah, I mean, I feel for her. I feel for how much effort and energy that she right. put in and – I hope that – I don't remember, but I hope that she asked us to help out. I can't remember. I was All I remember doing presents. was putting on the Tijuana Christmas brass. It was the only Christmas <laughs> album my parents had. And in Mackay, North Queensland, where it was swelteringly hot, we'd get the can of – I'm embarrassed to say ozone killing Christmas fake spray snow, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah right. So, oh, good. Yes. <laughs> but I think, yeah, no, my mum did everything as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah, consider putting some feminism into action this yeah, Christmas. Totally. Um, and for the brothers listening, like, right. It's so, it's so beautiful to be able to support us during every phase of our cycle. Mm. And, you know, it's like the, the small payoff where you're not having to bleed or go through premenstrual tension, you know, no matter what's going on in life, it doesn't really, our, our society doesn't really support us. So, and I feel like that's, that, that's something that's empowering you as well, that you get to be involved in our, in the creation of, of a, a family gathering and you also get to support your loved one. Yeah, so you've got a role outside of carving the roast. Yeah. Because that was the only thing I ever saw my dad do, you know. Yeah. Um, And, you know, look, I think this is an opportunity to acknowledge the fact Christmas originally was a menstrual festival. I kid you not. So if you wonder what the hell I'm talking about, there's a video presentation on my website called Sacred Union and the Holy Grail. You can check it out. It's... um, at themoonwoman.com, put that on for your rallies after Christmas lunch. <laughs> you know, when they still had video stores, Christmas Day was the highest day for rentals because it was so dangerous for family members to talk to each other and everyone was so full after lunch, much safer to put a video on. So if you oh. want a video, um, watch that. And it's about the true origins of Christmas um, and uh, the fact that it was the grail, yeah, it's been hijacked, but it's men's annual period because men are ruled by the sun. So it's actually the brothers that, those in the northern hemisphere um, over the Christmas period because solstice is on the 21st that are most likely to be feeling deeply internal mm. and moody, you know, maybe a bit depressed 
Um, so, you know, this is why the idea of brightening everybody's spirits, but originally men would go away in honour of their annual death and rebirth and they would be initiated into the sacred grail teachings, which are the feminine teachings. So, yeah, if you want to check that out. Um, but I, I think we could probably, you know, go a step further and um, bring out a menstrual Christmas album. Okay. I had some ideas. I had um, <laughs> We Wish You a Bloody Christmas <laughs> and a Fertile New Year. I'm Dreaming of a Red Christmas or Carly Mar is Coming to Town. <laughs> you better not cry. You better not pout. <laughs> Um, so, you know, just a few ideas, a few ideas. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think is there anything you wanted to say yeah. before we moved on to sex at Christmas? No, no, I think you covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, because, you know, there's this idea that, you know, everyone comes together and we're all loving and everything. But for those in the Northern Hemisphere, it is the darkest time mm. of the whole year. It's the time when couples are most likely to fight mm -hmm. or break up. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a very, isn't it, mm. you know, and we don't acknowledge that because mm -hmm. we're so disconnected from the natural cycles. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's important that we um check in with people it's like mm -hmm. how are you doing mm -hmm. and have real conversations mm -hmm. make it safe to say how are you doing mm -hmm. and just to bring it back to the love aspect like showing each other love during a dark time potential dark time and you know the gift gift giving that can be so beautiful it doesn't need to be going out and buying plastic wrapped mm -hmm. you know really useless Planned stuff. obsolescence stuff right. can be, you know, something in nature or something creative, a poem or, you know, some some homemade jewellery or a song. It can be so beautiful. Gift Acts giving. of kindness. Acts of, yeah. And beauty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's bringing the goddess back, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. that's so, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, a year ago I was you know, in a different country to my partner at the time and I wrote him a poem and read it to him on video mm. call and it was, yeah, beautifully received and yeah, I, I totally agree and maybe, you know, inviting guests not to bring a present. Mm. I mean, the world is choking on stuff mm -hmm. but instead to bring something creative yeah. and have a bit of a, a gong show maybe without the gong, <laughs> don't like gong people off but... <laughs> You know, a sharing. I yeah. think that's beautiful because mm, that really creates communion, yeah. then, doesn't it? Yeah, connection, totally. Mm. And I, you know, I know a lot of people don't tend to say grace. I always bless, um, you know, what I'm eating or drinking, but I do think it's powerful to just, if you're gathering for a feast, you know, for a holy day, mm -hmm. for a holiday, to just take a moment to connect everyone, get everyone to hold hands before the meal, maybe to look around the table and see the love that's there. See each other as sacred. Yeah. Divinity within each other. Yeah, and do it in a way that's not religious, so it's not mm. going to um, exclude anybody based on yeah. a difference of beliefs, but just, yeah, creates cohesion. Yeah, so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, 
I do want to say for those that are in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, Christmas is right after the summer solstice and that's the most outward yang masculine time of year. So people are often burnt out Mm -hmm. from running around to all the end of year social gatherings and school graduations and buying gifts and whatever. And, um, yeah, so that can, I think, it probably affects the women more mm-hmm. because it's not as, what would you say, natural for them to operate out of their masculine, go, mm-hmm. go, go, do, do, do. Yeah. So it can leave women feeling over-anxious. Yeah, over-anxious, burnout, lethargic, high stress, tension, overactive mind. Yeah. 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 Really so, operating in the shadow a little bit. <laughs> Totally. Mm. Yeah, that's it. If a woman's out of balance, she goes mm. into shadow masculine. Yeah. Um, which can be or rigid shadow. and controlling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, particularly with this one we've got coming up, which is in well, the, the sun is always in Capricorn. So shadow Capricorn for Christmas is to be a control freak, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. to be um oppressive with mm. this is how we've always done it, this is how you know, mm. and ugh. Uh, the the counterpoint to that is the opposite sign, which is cancer, which is community mm. and doing oh, things yeah. which, yeah, bring people into their heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, well, that can mean in sex. Yeah. It's, it's huge, especially for female-bodied people. If they're stressed, the, sec- the, the first thing to go is the sex drive. Yeah, well, in the, if you're disassociating, you're not even in your body. In your body. Whereas for male-bodied people, they can still they can still have sex and be anxious and feel stressed and whatever. Like that can actually help release the anxiety because they're so much more external. Whereas we're internal, so yeah, if we're not if we're not feeling safe and we're feeling stressed in this like tense time of year, then the it's going to be the last thing that we're going to want to do because you know from a primal p- place when we're having sex, there's a potential to fall pregnant, even if you know that's not our plan, it's not what we're wanting. And there's no way we're going to want to house a baby in our body when we're in a stress. It's not safe for the mom yes. or the baby, whereas for the male-bodied person, it's like, oh, the stress, fight or flight, get rid of as much seed as possible, keep perpetuate the species because they don't they don't have that. Fascinating. Yes. That's a, that's a pearl. Yeah. Wow. So for us, stress is the first thing to kill our libido. Hello. So... How can the brothers assist? I mean, all the sisters. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, speaking from my own experience, which yeah. has been a heterosexual path. But yeah. um, I, I know for myself. <laughs> so here's part two of the episode. We uh, just had, I think, the Wi-Fi cut out here in Bali momentarily. What I'm saying is what I really love, what calms me down instantly if I find myself in an anxious state is if someone puts their hand in the small of my back or on the back of my heart, so either the sacral, which is means the sacred bone, it's, you know, um, the back of our emotional centre or the back of our heart, which is our feeling centre. So to have someone, it's like I've got your back mm-hmm. or there's support here mm-hmm. for you. So beautiful. And since touch is the most primal form of love, just that simple act, you know, so if you um, 
regardless of whether it's a friend, a family member, a partner, if you sense someone is starting to talk very quickly or going into I can do everything, going into control, Mm -hmm. just gently putting a hand and attuning into whether or not they're comfortable with With that, that, you know. like Perhaps asking permission. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. That's so beautiful. I've, I, you know, we always hear about ball play starting outside of the bedroom and it's so true for women. It's like if... I'm nodding. Yeah. <laughs> if we're feeling stress, you know, the, the easiest thing for our partner to do if they're wanting to, to lower our stress and potentially increase our libido without it being obvious that that's the goal... <laughs> <laughs> is bend us over the sink. No, no, Sorry. That's not where you were going, is it? Not yet. Not oh, yet. sorry, First. my fantasy, my fantasy. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. No, sorry, wrong ho, wrong ho. Do go on. I'll stop interrupting being an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, like finding things that can help eliminate stress. Like each eliminator is going to bring the woman back into her body and back into her sens- sensuality and closer to, to being able to open up. If she's like her legs are going to be closed if there's too much stress. But if there's like one thing that you can do, like you know that, yeah, the, the chicken needs to be or turkey or whatever needs to be checked in the oven or. Um, right, without being asked. Yeah, without being asked, just being like, you know. Initiate. Or, yeah, or even if, if you can say to them like, hey, is there something like that might help as well. If it's yes. Like, so they can be like, well, this is actually the top priority that you could really help, like taking out the rubbish or whatever. Then the woman is going to be able to feel more in her body, less stress, less like she lays down and starts kissing. She's not going to be like, oh, but I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Like there's going to be so much less about that that is just so beautiful and so profound. And even without any mention or possibility of sex, they're going to be nicer. They're going to be kinder. They're going to be more and they're going to bring them back into their heart. totally. And be more available to experiencing and embodying love. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's really what's been missing from sex yeah. for so many people yeah. um, is love. Intimacy, I mean, it's love, yeah. love totally. making, yeah. you know. So, yeah, the, the the making of love, it starts with those acts of generosity, yeah. of spirit. What can I give mm. rather than what can I get? And I feel like another really important thing is like for female body people to remember is like, okay, there's a potential that I'm not going to want to have sex. And rather than going, well, I'm just going to get drunk and do it anyway, finding ways to access your sensuality that doesn't involve penetration or orgasms. It might be you're cooking in the kitchen, your partner walks past, you go, hey, come taste this, and you and you taste it together sensually. Beautiful. And you give each other a kiss with those flavor in your mouth or you turn up the music a little bit and dance and take a pause and a break mm. and connect in some way where – you know, it doesn't have to lead to penetrative sex. It doesn't have to go anywhere. It can just be a sensual experience together. Beautiful. Yeah. I am smiling as you speak. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, men and women out there smiling as you speak. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's those moments. Mm. It's looking for opportunities mm. to connect in a way that is um, – playful sensual yeah Yeah, just from the heart yeah I feel a lot of people are really scared to especially women because they think oh if I give a little bit of love they're going to want to have sex and I'm not there yet 
So even having that that conversation, like I'd love mm. to be able to like explore intimacy without it meaning that we need to have sex or without it meaning I need we need to perform or have an orgasm or anything. Just like how can we like find ways to connect with each other and explore our sensuality together without any expectation? Because I've had people come to me and they say, you know, I just want to kiss my partner, but then straight away they're wanting to have sex with me. That there's no just kissing for the sake of kissing. Mm. Oh God, yes, yeah, absolutely. In my last partnership, there was n- no kissing. Yeah, and it was, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, like emotional, like that's neglect. Yeah, you totally know, which need. it's the other yeah. extreme of somebody who imposes and forces themselves yeah. upon you. But yeah, um, but I also wanted to say that can also be flipped with for men. Mm-hmm. Um, that pressure and expectation to perform. Oh, totally. I mean, particularly if they've been drinking, it's uh-huh. like so many men um, these days because of the huge prevalence of porn use are experiencing more impotence issues than ever before, and I know you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I found with my last, you know, um, he would not show any sign of affection for fear that that would lead to sex and then not his impotence able, yeah. issues would come up. Yeah, not be able to Right. Yeah. live and up to expectations that weren't necessarily even there. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, I just want to say to all the men out there that so long as you're even thinking that you have to perform you got it all wrong Mm -hmm. because that's coming from ego. Mm -hmm. I've got to perform. Yeah, I've got to make her come. I've got to be hard. I've got to make her feel a certain way straight away without really good education. Like the main education is porn and that's not an accurate representation of what sexuality is. So, yeah, and also women like feeling like they need to perform and look a certain way. and Which is narcissistic. Yeah, because it's actually it's more about me. Yeah, it's more about me being perceived as this amazing lover to try and bolster a low sense of self-esteem. Yeah, whereas true lovemaking is an act of devotion. Mm. It's space to explore. It's about the other person. Yeah, how much love you can artfully and creatively Mm. express to Mm -hmm. them. Mm. So that right there heals that self-consciousness of, oh, God, I'm not going to be good enough, mm-hmm. you know. Totally. And when you think about all the solar plexus issues that we have on the planet, of course that ends up in the bedroom mm-hmm. because yeah. that's where people are most vulnerable, Yeah, you know, 100%. when whatever is not healed mm-hmm. is going to reveal itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good talk, good mm-hmm. talk. Um, now... I did want to talk about, uh, we touched on it briefly, but I'd like to circle back to pedophilia Mm -hmm. because I remember watching an Oprah episode years ago Mm -hmm. and they had a chap on who admitted he was a pedophile, Mm -hmm. bless him, Mm -hmm. and he was there to educate parents in Mm -hmm. terms of what to look for. Mm -hmm. I've seen that episode. It was amazing. So beautiful. So, so important. what they do to groom children yeah. often is, you know, rough play, horse play, and they will just each time kind of test the boundaries a bit mm. more, maybe by, you know, skimming their hand past the mm. child's inner thighs mm. or, you know, and seeing if they can get away with that. Mm. 
and then bringing the touch closer and closer to, you know, their genitalia. And so I just think it's important, um, you know, it's usually somebody that the child knows. Yeah. And gatherings like Christmas is when mm. the extended family is more likely yeah. to be around. So we the aunts and so uncles, well. right. Yeah. You exactly. know, we're, we're taught, you know, to, you know, kids are sitting on Santa's knee. Oh you know, my so God. Like we've, already, we've already taught them that it's okay to sit on a man's lap who's a stranger. You can't even see the face of this man and, you know, he's a figure that's supposed to bring a lot of joy and happiness. So, I can see how that could even become. Oh, and that you'll get a present if you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. (laughs) I mean, what a fucking pedophilic premise the whole thing is, really. And you think about, you know, so many times you'll hear adults well-meaning saying to children, give your uncle a kiss, go on, and you see the look on the kid's face and they're like, "Mm, I don't know that guy, like I don't know him, like that feels beyond what is appropriate for my, you know. And I just want to put it out there that we are all responsible. Right. We are the one global family and that if we observe that sort of dynamic, yeah. that we will risk yeah. um, looking like an idiot. Right, to be an ally to yeah. that child and to speak up on yeah. their behalf and yeah. say, you know what, I think if you don't feel yeah. to give them a hug, you don't, don't have, have to, to, you know, yeah. because often people are parenting by rote. Yeah. They're doing what their parents did yeah. to them without even realising it. Yeah. And so we do need to question. Totally. And I, I want to also say, look, I love horseplay, love rough play. I don't yeah. want the guys to feel like they can't do that with kids because yeah. it's needed. Yeah. It's yeah. with girls and with boys. Yeah. They all need rough play, you know. I used to get, you know, those foam noodles, saw yeah. one and half, and yeah. me and my daughter would do sword fighting yeah. as well as pillow fights. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we need rough play but just – it may be that you need to have a conversation with the kids oh, totally. before all the relatives come oh, over. 100%. That's one of the best things that you can do is being so open with the child, like naming each part of the genitals, naming the part of the body that is okay to touch, naming the part of the body that is by under no circumstances okay to touch, giving them the language, giving them the power, giving them the Whoa. knowledge and so they know exactly what their body is, what it, how sacred it is. How, how important it is to protect it um, and that they are the ones that have the right over their body because, yeah, pedophilia exists. It is. Oh, it's rampant. It's, and to anyone that's listening to this that feels any of those kind of sensations that come up, it's really important to not self-hate, to just to find someone that you can work through it with because it also, you know, it's like empowering the children but also empowering people that have these sexual dysfunctions where they – know that there is support because oftentimes this it keeps going because there's no support, there's so much shame and it's something that exists and part of the taboo is not speaking to how we can actually support people before they do something that can destroy a life, you know. it's Well, that's, you know, makes me think of, I mean, I'm so blessed that I wasn't molested and I, I know I'm in the minority but what it must be like for people that have to go and show up at a Christmas and be around somebody yeah. that has yeah, stolen yeah. their innocence. Yeah. That has, yeah. oh, man. And, and also what it's like for somebody who has these internal processes going on 
that they know it's wrong and they know it's not okay, they don't act on it. There are a lot of people that okay. have these sexual experiences and they don't act on it, but there's no support because it's, it is, you know, societally, understandably, it is the most condemned act and one of the most condemned acts. So if that's something that's happening internally and you're not supported, either it's going to come out at some stage and and mm. then there's going to be even more guilt and shame, potentially, potentially not, depending on the type of person. Yep. Um, or it's not going to come out, but there's not going to be any support. It's going to stay in the shadow. It's going to stay taboo and we're not going to be able to. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking, you know, with pornography as pandemic as it is, the use of it, it's perpetuating this pedophilic ideal mm-hmm. of womanhood mm-hmm. um, and and my understanding is that you know it's all about trying to recapture the first rush mm-hmm. you got when you started using porn of doing the forbidden, the forbidden act yeah and so you know particularly men end up going down wormholes yes. where they click on things that are more and more taboo yeah that their psyche feels guilt and shame about, can't reconcile. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's constantly perpetuating that, you know, for instance, women that are hairless, mm-hmm. women that um, bodies yeah, yeah. don't have hips and thighs yeah. and, um, you know, School look. Girl. Yes. Yeah. Barely 18. Yeah, so our men are being programmed to find yeah. a child attractive sexually as a turn-on. Yeah. So, of course, the likelihood of it playing out when, you know, you've got. Um, Alcohol. Yeah, and a situation where, as you say, adults are distracted mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like the ultimate taboo. Mm-hmm. So. What kind of support is available? Like if, yeah. if a man was having those sort of ideations, yeah. maybe looking at his niece or his nephew in yeah. a way that he's going, shit, I shouldn't be looking at them, yeah. thinking those thoughts, yeah. what would you suggest they do? So seeking a counsellor, special psychologist, counsellor that specialises in that field, a sexologist um, as well. and So who won't shame them exactly. but will work quite, with exactly. the wound yeah. in them. Yeah. So you can research that you can, and, you know, confidentiality exists. Um, so if you find a counsellor that doesn't work in that sort of part of the, the field, then they can refer you on to somebody that does, hopefully if they're a good counsellor or a psychologist or sexologist. Um, you know, and there's other things that, that are out there. Um, something that I've heard of recently is like in a – uh, in role play and in they've got like things that you can do to play out these different fantasies in a health safe healthy safe sane and consensual way um that it, it looks like it's something that can be really useful and really helpful um so like to integrate that exactly, fantasy exactly in a safe way yeah okay everyone's consenting what would people search for online if they were looking for that sort of thing? Yeah, so you could look up a dungeon, a dungeon, they're called a dungeon, and they'll have all different kinds of play. So usually like BDSM play. Which stands for? Um, bondage, domination, sadomasochism mm-hmm. um, and discipline. And so... Didn't think we'd be talking about this at Christmas, did you? <laughs> Do go on. <laughs> so they'll, they'll generally have like a madam and a, and a room and someone that can t- 
take you through whatever it is that you're into, whatever kink it is you're into, different role plays, transvestism, um, and um, BB, the, uh, what is it? B, baby BD. girl, baby girl, oh. da- dom daddy. So it's like whether like, you can like pretend to be, whether they'll have like someone that works there that pretends to be younger and whoever is can pretend to be older and you can like play out that role play with consenting adults. Which is trying to get the love of the opposite parent. Yeah. Which is deep within the psyche yes. of all of us. That's yep. a whole other episode, yep. the mother-father complex. Yep. So, yes, that does play out yep. sexually for people. Yep. Totally. Um, I'm so grateful for that and I'm thinking about people that are in rural communities yep. Yep. where, you know, yes. they don't want to just go to the, the one counsellor in, in town, town, exactly, you yeah. know. So That's where um, online really there's helps. a lot, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of um, people that are doing sort of video sessions via yeah. Zoom and yeah. things like that now, exactly. isn't there? So yeah. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. For, this can be something where you maintain your privacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, thank you. I think it's so good to have that conversation. Yeah, totally, because it's like, while while pedophilia is being bred culturally now, yes. it has existed for a very very long time. Mm-hmm. It exists differently in different cultures. It is something that's there. It is something that can become a um, a paraphilia, a disorder, a sexual disorder, and can take over somebody's life. So, you know, we can't just ignore it. They're um, all victims. They are, yeah. You know, I in my early 20s, the only normal job I had was proofreading police interviews. So I'd listen to rapists. (laughs) 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 Yes, that's true. Um, But yeah, so I got to hear pedophiles being interviewed. and, And, you know, what was such a gift for me in that was 99% 99% of the time they would break down once the tape was turned off. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a tape recorder. Those were the, the days. Nice. Um, and they would share what had been done to them, yeah. you know, and this is the thing, it's endemic. Mm-hmm. The victim becomes the perpetrator in order to unconsciously try and understand yeah. it. In some cases, yeah, definitely. And and it becomes an imprint in an ancestral lineage often, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So um, and emotional incest is a huge oh, yeah. topic that isn't even acknowledged by yeah. our culture, so yeah. we can Definitely deal with that in another that. Yeah. episode. I think yeah. that's a whole episode right there. Yeah. But um, I can't even think what I was talking about. Totally lost the yeah, thread. Yeah, just like just how it's it can be bred. You're, you're listening to people... Already oh been yeah! So you know the whole thank you, the whole tar and pitchfork and feather them. Mm-hmm. That's not going to solve this. No, you know we not. have to have really, um, you know, honest, compassionate conversations where we consider the wound within everybody mm-hmm. and and how everybody affected by that sort of situation can can heal yeah because it's about healing it's yeah. judgment yeah and punishment yeah is not restorative yeah. exactly yeah yeah good talk happy happy mm-hmm. um just the thing of getting your kid to sit on santa's knee mm-hmm. i came up with something in rather mm-hmm. ingeniously which mm-hmm. i am proud of and yet i yeah it was one of those you know, you have many parenting moments where you go, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but 
when you get it right, it's like, oh, wow, cool. Um, and that was we were queued up to see Santa, my daughter and I, and it was the cheap Santa, let's face it, the free Santa. So that would have the biggest queue. Yeah, it was in a um, one of those electrical goods department stores and to bring people into the store they just had a, you know, a free Santa, yeah. you know, not the one that plies you for photos. Yeah. And um, but you had to queue past the massage chairs and I got tired of waiting and I enticed my daughter to join me and put money in the massage chair and, I mean, there's something wonderfully quirky about being felt up by a piece of furniture in public <laughs> <laughs> and having worked as a stripper in my early 20s, there is some exhibitionism in me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I totally converted my kid. I said to her, from then on in, we sit on Santa's knee or the massage chair. Mm. Which one would you prefer? Massage chair every time. She never wanted to sit on Amazing. Santa's knee ever again. So we yep. didn't have to queue up and go through all that. And we'd always go sit on the massage chairs as a treat for our nervous system if we did oh. have to enter into a shopping centre and endure oh. all that overstimulation. Yeah. So check out the massage chairs <laughs> if you have to, um, you know, take a child to visit Santa, see if that's an option. <laughs> cool. Um, I also want to touch on death at yeah. Christmas. So um, I was speaking to my dear mentor, Jen Powell, and she was saying how they have on their mantle right next to the Christmas lunch table the photos of all the members of mm. their family that have passed mm because so many of them were the ones that loved Christmas the most. Mm. So they're still there. They're yeah. still part of Christmas. And I just thought that was a lovely inclusion. An ancestral altar. Yeah. yeah. So it's like combining a little bit of Day of the Dead, Yeah. you know, because yeah. it is a clan gathering. Yeah, totally. And, and our ancestors on the other side of the veil, you know, they can smell, which is why in that Mexican tradition you would traditionally cook the meal that was most loved by mm. your great aunt or grandma or, you know, because they would join you in spirit and enjoy the scent, the aroma mm. of their favourite dish being prepared. So I just, I think it's good to acknowledge them, yeah, you know, to talk about them um, and not, I think this one is huge, not put pressure on people to be happy. Yeah because it's Christmas, yeah. because it is those milestones that highlight what is different now. Yeah. And, and yeah. Totally. Death, loss, yeah. grief. What's, really painful. Yeah. Painful time for some people. Yeah. yeah. Like I know for myself I haven't seen or had contact with my daughter for two and a half years and she'll be 16 and so, you know, it's often birthdays, Christmas, Mother's Day, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, I never know how I'm going to be until the day, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, yeah, and and so that's another, you know, grief is how we process loss. Mm. And there's, you know, it's not just um, these days with so many people in fractured sort of families it's not just people that have lost loved ones to death that mm. are dealing with grief at milestones mm. you know yeah. just grieving yeah the family 
the family that was or the, the relationship or friendship or whoever yeah. whoever was the chosen family at that time last Christmas or yeah Christmases before yeah and um you know this the, the irony is is that if you're in a supportive space and a wave of grief comes up you then if it's given expression you swing to the other polarity and then you know, like that lovely line of Sally Fields from the film Steel Magnolias, my favourite emotion is laughter through tears mm-hmm. at when they're at a funeral, you know, and they start laughing after she's had a big mm. emotional meltdown. And, you know, just like a baby, babies are zen. They'll freely express all their emotions on the understanding, well, not, they're not cognitively understanding, but, you know, that you keep the energy moving, yeah. emotion, yeah. energy and motion, that if we suppress the emotion because we're trying to be socially acceptable that's when we go into a funk into yeah. a mood yeah totally. and then we can't shift it because we can't we don't know how to communicate it or maybe it's been too long i'm already being perceived in a certain light so we stay that way rather yes than speaking to what could be really really painful but worth expressing yeah so um yeah uh i think for people to be just sensitive Emotionally, I mean, growing up in Australia, my goodness, there was no emotional awareness, Mm. you know, and it's only now it's starting to be discussed, emotional intelligence, you know, was a book that came out in the 90s, but still largely I think as a collective we are not emotionally mature. Yeah. You know, we've got a long way to go yet. Don't have the language and the tools. Mm. Slowly starting to understand that we can connect and communicate and get, and have our needs met, oh, and hallelujah. and you know support those around us who need theirs met as well. Like we just yeah haven't been given the tools. And you know Christmas is also a lovely time to consider those less fortunate. So it might be that you have a very elderly neighbor or, or a friend that you know doesn't have family their parents might have passed mm. or um you know there was one year where I got a heap of presents and it was when I was doing kids parties and I got some friends together and we all went and spent Christmas morning playing games and giving gifts to kids that were in foster care mm, before sweet. we went and had our lunch yeah and it was so much fun. Oh, so it's so rewarding. I, I've done the same. I got a whole bunch of chocolate, like homemade, beautiful chocolates, like absolutely delicious chocolates because I was working in a health food cafe and they were going to get thrown out because we were closed for a few days. I'm like, okay. um, I'll take them. Went to the homeless people in town and shared chocolates with them. And Aww. it was just so beautiful. It was like, yes, like this is, this feels right. So absolutely, you know, if you're sort of feeling a bit scroogey and like oh, it's all commercialised, it's up to us to put the meaning back. Yeah, totally. Isn't it? Yeah. By looking at, okay, well, how can I give? Yeah. I remember watching a doco on um, BBC about how if we just, you know, for instance, I know Oxfam does wonderful work, but, you know, it's like buy a goat for someone mm-hmm. or money for a well or something for Christmas, but it doesn't have the personal connection. Yeah, totally. Whereas when you get personally involved, mm-hmm. 
it's the gift you receive back mm, far so outweighs bad. what you give. Yeah. And I think it's important that kids grow up experiencing mm. that. Like this family in the doco, they partnered a wealthy family with a family that weren't and mm. they would meet with that other underprivileged family, assess what they needed through having conversations and then work out ways they could empower them you know, like they bought the mum a sewing machine and she started her own business doing Amazing. mending and alterations. So it wasn't just a handout, yeah. but those two families became very bonded. So beautiful. So it looks like time is almost up. Yep. Um, an absolute pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you, Tanishka. Have a beautiful festive season and we look forward to joining you um once a month for this podcast do share it uh do join us um you can click follow on spotify and we'll leave a link below and um yeah blessings on however you spend the festive season whether it's hanukkah christmas uh solstice all the above um but thank you thank you all right blessings everybody bye Thanks for joining us. If you'd love to uh, catch future episodes, head on over to Spotify and uh, click follow. And if you'd like to find out more about my work, you can head over to the Moon Woman. That's M-O-O-N-Woman.com. And if you want to find out a bit more about me and the work that I do, you can go to yonilicious.com.au or you can find me on Instagram where I'm more active at yonilicious. Y-O-N-I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. Beautiful. Have a great day. Bye.